We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your daily look inside the green and gold and the going on, goings on at 1265 Lombardi Avenue. My name is Mike Wendland. Alongside me, Tyler Grezegork and Chris Schimmel. And guys, we have a, another football game coming up on this Sunday. It's the Packers and Broncos in week three, and it's two teams going in vastly different directions. Green Bay coming in at 2-0 and and two division wins on the way back up. Finally, a little bit of an easier opponent than weeks past. Denver at 0-2, and they are can't get out of their own way for for a lot of reasons in Vic, Van, Vic Fangio's first year. So, first off, Tyler, how's it going, and what are you looking forward to for Sunday? Uh, you know, I, I'm actually looking forward to every bit of this game. Um, I, I've talked about it kind of throughout the week. It's not very often you get the Packers and the Broncos to meet up. So, you know, just for that sake, I'm excited to get these two teams together. And, uh, you know, it's two Shanahan offenses kind of going at it, so... Uh, I'm excited to see which one comes out on top. No doubt about it. And and Chris, what 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 are you keying on in this one? What are you looking forward to? Well, that's one thing I love about games earlier in the year. It, you're looking at things on both sides of the ball, both offense and defense, the things that I'm really looking forward to. Of course, the offense to see if they get things going, you know, and actually play a full game compared to, you know, a quarter and a half that they had against Minnesota. So that on the offense, defense, seeing if they keep it going, you know, uh, but overall, that's the thing I love about just early games, that you're looking forward to a little bit of everything. 
Definitely. And, and with week three, there's still some things being figured out, still some things being learned from each respective team and well, on who, what their identity exactly is. And we'll get into some of the injury stuff later because there was some uh, big news that broke on Saturday for the Packers injury report. We'll get to that when we cover the injuries in just a little bit. But I think it's time we should look take a look at some of the numbers and where each team stands up uh, as far as offense and defense through the first couple of games. Uh, offensively, the Broncos come in at number 28 in scoring. They're averaging just uh, just about 15 points a game. Packers at number 26 at 15 and a half. However, that doesn't quite tell the whole story. Denver averages more yards, but Green Bay has been the better offense so far. Especially when you look at that first quarter against Minnesota, they've been the better team. It's just kind of things kind of petered off after that, whether it's through injury or uh, defensive adjustments from the other teams, things like that. But Denver's offense has a couple pieces, but they really kind of struggle. Uh, Chris, what have you seen from from Denver's offense that I think could help Green Bay? Well, for you know, Broncos are averaging only 15 points per game, but they're fifth in the league in yards per drive, so they can still move the football. And it really comes down to uh, you know, you have Emmanuel Sanders who's coming off, you know, an injury he had last year. But him and Sutton have both combined for 450 receiving yards. So they're going to be a tough tandem to stop. But I'm really looking forward to Jair Alexander going up against Emmanuel Sanders. And then run running-wise, I think the Broncos on offense, they're uh, 20th in in uh, run offense. And, you know, Philip Lindsay last year, you know, as a rookie, he ran for 1,037 yards, nine touchdowns, and averaged 5.4 yards per carry. This year, he only has 79 yards on 3.3 yards per carry. And so Royce Freeman's really getting more of the carries now. So I look forward to how the Packers are really going to stop them with their great run defense. Yeah, that's the big thing to keep an eye on is going to be how Philip Lindsay does and and Tyler, I know you focus a lot on line play, and Denver does not have a very good offensive line. Uh, they've been, they have been hit pretty hard by injuries at, at, at times in that spot. But how much of of their struggles up front is going to be a factor in, in the game? Oh, I, I think it'll be. Um, you know, I don't think this is the best defensive front that the Broncos have faced. Uh, but they did. I mean, they did play the Bears last week, and they struggled uh, against the Bears as well. And, you know, the Packers are probably, I want to say, maybe just a step below what the Bears have to offer in that area. And so the, they'll get their penetrations. The Darius Smith, Preston Smith, if they keep up the pressure uh, that they've put on in the first two weeks, then uh, Joe Flacco is going to be in for a rough day. Uh, I, I, the Broncos are going to get theirs as far as the running back position. And uh, that's just... Um, it's kind of a given at this point is, you know, basically that's what, that's what they've built this offense for. And so they're going to get their, uh, their production and their fill from that position. Um, even if it takes three yards to carry, like you were talking about with Lindsay. So they're going to feed those guys. And, um, you know, I want to see if the Packers can rebound from, I don't want to call it a poor performance against Dalvin cook because he was just, he was out of this world. Um, and most of, and a lot of his stats came on that one huge run, but overall he did have still a good day against this Packers defense. And uh, I want to see them kind of get back to what they were doing last year, which was being a premier run defense. Yeah, I agree. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on as well. And another thing as well is another weapon the Broncos have is rookie Noah Fant. Uh, to, he's a very talented tight end, can really get up the field, very athletic. And, he, and he's shown flashes, but the consistency needs to improve a little bit. But 
if he, he can find his footing in week three and maybe be a safety net for Joe Flacco, much like back in the day Todd Heap was for the Ravens and guys like that for Flacco, that could go a long way. And we didn't talk much about Joe Flacco yet because going back, going to Denver from Baltimore, where which, where Denver might have been the spot of his biggest triumph when he had the big playoff game during their Super Bowl run, he really hasn't been that great. He's been that veteran quarterback, but he's really kind of struggled a lot of ways with his, with a lot of his accuracy issues that he's had in the past. And with an offensive line struggling, he's not very mobile. He's not he's not the quarterback he was when he was younger. How much of a factor do you think Flacco's, uh, I guess the aging process has really affected him? Chris, I'll ask you. Well, I definitely think so, because Jack Flacco's always been in, you know, not a very mobile quarterback. He's just a pocket quarterback, and he's looking more like a statue with every season. And you take a look, uh, there was a thing was last game, he threw a check down, you know, like a screen pass to a running back when the defender was basically already on his back. You know, usually a quarterback would just throw it in the dirt and go to the next play. And Steph Flacco still threw it, got tackled for a negative play. And it, 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 I thought that just sums it up, you know. So I really think if the Packers really do get some good pressure on him and make him move, that will lead to some good plays. And uh, Tyler, I'll ask, I'll ask you the same thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I was actually doing some research before we jumped on here, and uh, I noticed that through the, through the first two weeks, Joe Flacco has actually only thrown two passes over 20 yards. Everything else has been, you know, in that short to medium range. And I don't know if that's... Okay, I'm going to preface this with one thing. One, that's what Joe Flacco was supposed to do. He's supposed to throw the ball deep. That's what he was known for when he, you know, got that big contract from the Ravens a few years ago. And... Um, I think that's what they wanted him to do in Denver. They wanted to, to run the ball, call the play action, you know, staple the Shanahan offense as we're finding out, um, and then just take those big shot plays. And it's just not happening. And I think that's why this Broncos offense is kind of sputtered uh, early. Um, but yeah, he's only taken two pass attempts over 20 yards. So that I'm looking for them to try and maybe find some ways to create those big play opportunities. Um, but he... Joe Flacco is, I think we know who he is. It's, it's, I think he's a very average quarterback. Uh, you could probably win a Super Bowl with him, but you need to have, like, the best players. A monster defense. <laughs> yeah. Like, you need to... <laughs> kind of like, like Peyton Manning in 2015 Broncos, you know? <laughs> exactly. But even Peyton Manning was much, much more intelligent. Knowledgeable. And, yeah. And yeah. so he, he was making plays before they were even starting. And, um, you know, so Joe Flacco is exactly who we thought he was. <laughs> so you're trying to tell me that Joe Flacco is not elite, I'm guessing. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, last thing for, for Denver, they come in with a negative one turnover ratio. So they haven't, one, they haven't taken the ball away. They also don't have a sack on defense just yet. And we'll get to the defense in just a minute. But it also kind of shows that they've at times had problems protecting the football and, the big story for the the Packers defense going toward the Denver offense is going to be attacking Garrett Bowles. Uh, the former first-round pick at left tackle has basically been the human equivalent of a tackling machine who has gotten called for five holding penalties for two games, I think three of which have been accepted. And if, if you're an offense trying to, to get to something going, how, how much does it hurt to have your left tackle, your premier lineman, he called for five holding penalties in two games. Um, 
It's not good. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> he, he's still young. He's still, it's, it's his second year in the league, I believe. And, um, you, you know, you're looking for, you're looking for those guys to make improvements and he, they have not really had, you know, I don't know, if, I don't know if we would consider Oakland the easiest opponent um, nowadays, but I mean, they're not like awful. They still offer some, you know, some juice on defense at certain positions, and um, you know, John Gruden's that's what essentially what he's known for. So, but coming into the Vikings game, I mean, or not Vikings. I'm so sorry, the Bears, um, the Bears game. You know, you you're expecting you're expecting the pass rush to be there and you're expecting those guys to struggle just like the Packers did against the Packers or the Bears and the, just like they did against the Vikings, you know? So those those quality pass rushers are going to put stress on those types of players, those young players who are who are still adapting to the NFL level game and speed. And you, you would hope that going up against Von Miller and... Um, Bradley Chubb in practice and in the offseason would help him prepare for that. But, you know, in the end, he's still a young player. And I don't, you know, as they've said, they're going to stand by him. Uh, I don't foresee them benching him because they're they're hurting on other parts of their line. So, uh, you know, Garrett Bowles is going to be a key part of this offense and whether or not it goes. No, I agree. And as we flip over to the defenses, this is where Denver is going to be strong. And We've seen over the years what Vic Fangio can do to Packers offenses, and it is not pretty. He's been arguably the best defensive coordinator over the past decade. Finally gets a chance as a head coach, and the defense has looked pretty solid. The uh, last drive against Chicago notwithstanding, thanks to quote-unquote roughing the passer and somehow the refs being able to get a timeout with less than a second to play. And so Denver comes in at 14th in, in the NFL in scoring at 20 points per game, 315 yards only they allow. And they, and they have been winning the time of possession battle. And so Denver's defense has been pretty top-notch. Packers has been elite so far, averaging, giving up only 9.5 points per game. But when you look at the Broncos' defense, the first thing you see is Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's the first two things you see are their two pass rushers. Then you've got Chris Harris on the back end, Derek Wolf in the line. They are very talented at all three levels. And so, so Chris, what are you most worried about as a Packer fan and someone who really follows the team? about this Denver defense? Well, the Denver defense is good against the pass. Specifically, you know, you look at the pass rushers with Von Miller and Chubb, it's it's crazy to think that they haven't gotten a sack so far this year, given that they combined for 26 and a half last year. I mean, you take a look at the, the, the pass rushers Bakhtiari and Bulaga have had, had to go up against. Of the six edge rushers, four of them that they gone up against had double-digit sacks last year. So this is just another... Uh, another challenge for them. Hopefully they keep it up. But the one thing that I'm really looking forward to mostly for the Packers against this defense is third down. If you take a look, the Packers offense has been uh, really terrible on third down. I think they're 28th in the league, less than 26%. But Denver's defense is 30th in third down. They've allowed 52% of teams to convert on third down. So I think that's a really a big weakness for this Denver team, as well as uh, the lack of sacks and turnovers. So I really think this is, even though it's Denver and other areas, they're really good on paper. I still feel like this is a good opportunity for the Packers offense to get going. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the third down uh, stat just because you're right. Green Bay has really struggled, especially on third and shorts. 
Third and worst. short and third and longs are the Packers' worst nightmare. I'd rather have it be third and four or third and five than third and two sometimes. It just but Denver does have only the 24th ranked run defense. So maybe if it is third down, Aaron Jones can actually get the first down. That's just what I think. Could also be a game where we see a little more Danny Vitale maybe on some third and shorts as well. Oh, definitely. But another thing uh, for you, Tyler, is Denver, again, discipline has been kind of a problem. They've had 16 accepted penalties on the defensive side of the football for 127 yards. And how much of that do you think, part of that is also uh, the week roughing the passer on Chubb last week, but how much do you think, uh, as far as maybe grabbing and being a little handsy, can really affect this Denver defense and maybe even affect the Packer offense trying to move the ball on them? Well, you know, the, the way that the LaFleur offense appears to be kind of coming together is a lot of misdirection, and it's going to make you think, right? So, you know, the play action, it's guys are going to get grabby when they're trying to read a play and react because they don't want to lose their position while they're up looking for the ball. And so we might see a lot of penalties again from this Denver unit. And I, I'm looking forward to like you were talking about, uh, but the offense getting going because I, I think it's this is this is the the tipping point. I think you know we we expected the offense to be slow to start the year with against the Bears and the Vikings. We expected that, but I you know they took a big step forward and they they put up 21 points very quickly against the Vikings and they were able to sustain that lead because of the play of the of their currently third overall DVOA defense. And then, you know, they kind of faltered, but I'm looking for them to take that next step this week. I think they're going to come out fast again. You know, obviously the scripted plays were gorgeous and they worked and they were, they were beautiful. Like they really were. If you go back and watch them, they were just, they were just well drawn up and they were well schemed and well sequenced. But I'm looking for that next step. You know, this is the tipping point where we expect the offense to really kind of start putting it together this week, heading into next week against Philly. You know, and then after that, their schedule really opens up uh, once they go through Dallas. So Dallas will be their final, like, hey, this is a really, really good defense. Uh, but after that, their schedule opens up. So if we're talking week six, this offense still hasn't opened up, I'll be concerned. But I think we'll start to see them open up this week um, a little bit more. Uh, they're going to, they talked about managing Aaron Jones' workload. Jamal Williams will get some more carries. But I think that's more in a preservation sense, has nothing to do with the, the talent of Jones or Williams. Uh, it's more about preserving Jones for the long haul, which I understand. It's week three. So uh, th- this offense, though, I think they can put up some points this week. And uh, I don't – I wouldn't be surprised that the Broncos were able to just because I think they match up well with this Packers defense uh, in in some ways. But I just don't foresee the Broncos putting up a ton of points. So, you know, I, I don't want to say it'll be an easy game. But, I mean, Las Vegas says that this is a seven-and-a-half-point spread. So uh, – the Packers are going in as heavy favorites, and I think there's a good reason why. No, I agree. And and as we look more toward the the Packers offense, because we, we are, of course, the Pack-A-Day podcast, they come in 26th in points, but they are very high in time of possession. Their, their third downs are near the bottom. But the big thing for them has been the turnover. They are plus three in turnovers, and a lot of that is the defense. Part of it is also they protect the football very well. And obviously, Aaron Rodgers is avoiding interceptions like it's the black plague. But outside of a couple fumbles, this team has been very, very solid at hanging on to the football. There hasn't been a ton of drops. And this team, the offense, like Tyler said, is very much on the right track as long as they can get a little more consistency outside of their first first scripted plays. 
And so, Chris, I'm gonna I'll go to you. What's what are you looking? What are you trying to keep an eye on for this Packers offense to try and get a full four quarter game in and, and come out with a win? Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. You know, if if, if it was if it was so such an easy answer, you know, you know, it's such an easy question. You think that they would have answered it by now? It's so much more complicated. But you know, you think about it. The Packers have had 27 possessions on offense, and they scored on only five of them. Rodgers is averaging only 6.44 yards per attempt. You know, when after the 2014 season, his his last MVP year, he his career average was 8.2, and now it's 6.44. And he, I think he's he hasn't completed too many deep passes. And and Devontae Adams has gone back to back games without a touchdown since week seven to eight of 2017. So I really think the key to this is their number two and three receivers. Scantling and Allison really need to step up because if Chris Harris is going to be on Devontae Adams, they're going to, they might, if they go man to man coverage with those two guys, these other guys need to win their matchups. And if you take a look at the statistics from last year, behind Adams, the their second uh, leading target in terms of uh, pass targets was the sidelines. Rodgers threw the ball away more than he targeted any other receiver besides Adams. So I really think that that's the key is these second and third uh, receivers really need to step up. And especially uh, and get Jones and Vitaly uh, going in the in the passing game. And uh, Tyler, again, as, as our connoisseur of the trenches, it is Elton Jenkins season. He is he's going to be the starting left guard, probably f- starting in now in week three, probably till about 2025. So with him in there now, the offensive line finally has their locked-in starting five with with the development with Lane Taylor, which we'll get to in a little bit. Jenkins is in. He looked very good against Minnesota. He was, especially on the touchdown run by Aaron Jones, he completely demolished, I think it was Linval Joseph, that he sent basically halfway through the end zone on a two-yard run. And I guess what are you looking forward to for the protection scheme to try and slow down this Denver pass rush and to maybe open up some stuff for Williams, Vitaly Jones, and maybe even Dexter Williams with Jamal Williams battling some stuff. You know, it's really funny because we, we talk about how do you slow down, uh, you know, this pass rush, how do you slow down defenses in general. That's what the LaFleur slash Shanahan offenses are built on. They're, they're built on keeping these defenses reacting. And, um, you know, so there, there's going to be a lot of play action like we've seen. You know, that's not going to go away. And that's all to help keep Rodgers clean. And it's all to help open things up for him and the rest of this offense. And so we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, I still think that they're going to they're gonna try and run the ball. Uh, we saw it against Minnesota. They just kind of forced Aaron Jones down the Vikings' throat. Um, and he ended, up at, he ended up having a really good day, actually. And I think that's kind of why LaFleur came out and said, hey, you know, we need to get Jamal Williams some more touches because we can't do that to Aaron Jones every week. And so I think you're going to see more of that. You're going to see more of them trying to win that battle in the trenches because I think that this Packers offensive line is way better as a whole than that Broncos front. And Elton Jenkins, uh, he's going to be a key part today uh, or tomorrow. Um, we're recording on Saturday. So he'll be a key part against the Broncos because he's a guy that they're most likely going to key on and try to make him make a play. And, you know, he's a big dude. He's a strong dude. So um, moving him to guard, he played center in college, so he's a smart guy. 
moving him to guard, he's just got to kind of, he's got to find his assignment. And for the most part, he'll just have to kind of clear the way. And uh, he's got Bakhtiari on one side, Lindsay on the other. I think he'll be all right. And so, um, you know, he was playing really well in the preseason. And uh, I actually thought he probably should have been the starter coming out of the preseason. Um, but this is turning out, it looks like it's going to be a really solid second round pick for Gutekunst. Fair enough. And then as we flip over to the Packers defense, the strength of the team so far, the second in the league in scoring defense, nine and a half a game, only behind the Patriots who got an uh, easy win against the Dolphins, which really kind of skews their stats. They only give up 1.5 points through two games. <laughs> but with this Packers defense, with and plus they win time on possession, and through each of the first two games, they've had a big end zone pick in the fourth quarter. We had Adrian Amos against the Bears, Kevin King against the Vikings. So, Chris, what are you looking forward to for the Packers' defense, and who's going to get the end zone interception this week? Okay, the number one thing I'm looking forward to on this defense is Rashawn Gary. Is he going to finally break out? You know, he had only six snaps against the Bears. He had 14 snaps against the Vikings. And of those 20 total snaps, he had three total pressures. Now, Preston Smith has been playing uh, over 93% of the snaps, and Zadarius Smith has played 89%. They don't want their two veterans playing 90% or more. So which means Gary is going to have to show up and then uh, Fackrell is also going to have to show up. So I'm wondering, do you guys think, is this the game where Gary is going to break out? And as for the interception, I think it's about time Jair Alexander has one because he dropped one pretty easy one uh, against the Vikings too, too. So I really feel he's going to really want to make up for it. And you know, him and Kevin King, are a good tandem. I think he sees Kevin get one. Now he thinks, you know, he needs to get one. So I, I have to say Jair, but do you guys think Gary eventually is going to, because I just don't like Smith, the, the two Smith guys playing so many snaps and going to get worn down as the season goes on. I really think Gary needs to start showing something because uh, the, you know, defensive coordinator says he's really close. He's just this close away from breaking out. So so I'm just wondering, is is this the game where he's finally going to do it against, like you said, a left tackle that's been giving up so many holding penalties? I feel like this should be the week he finally does it. Yeah, you know, I, Patton also said when talking about Gary that he was very frustrated. And so that's what that's what actually made the headlines out of that press conference. But, you know, I the point is is the coach the coaching staff sees what we were hyped up to believe. In Rayshon Gary, you know, it, it didn't really surface at Michigan sometimes, but, you know, there's reports that, okay, we're not getting back into, we're not getting all back into that. But the point is, um, I, I kind of look at these two edge guys, Zedaria Smith, Preston Smith, and then they have their their underlings. You know, Zedaria Smith has Rayshon Gary. So you could hypothetically sub Rayshon Gary in for Zedaria Smith, and he could play the similar role. And then you have Preston Smith. I think Kyler Fackrell is his underling. So you have, you can sub in Kyler Fackrell, and he can do some of the same things that Preston Smith is doing. You know, I speculated before the before the season that you know they might use Preston Smith in coverage, and they've actually done that. You know, they blitz him most of the time, but Patton's not afraid to drop Preston Smith in the coverage, and I think that's why he's playing more snaps than Zadarius because he kind of he's much more versatile in that sense, and he can actually drop off into coverage, and Fackrell hypothetically can as well, and so. Yes, they both, Fackrell and Gary, need to step it up going into this, you know, we'll call it the, the mid-season stretch, when starting weeks four through uh, ten or whatever you want to call it, 
these guys need to start stepping it up because, no, Zadarius and Preston Smith are not going to be able to play 90% of the snaps every week. There are going to be games that are going to be knock them down, drag them out, trench battles, and they're just going to get worn down. And, you know, I think Zadarius Smith went down um, briefly against, I think it was against Minnesota, and, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, what if he hurts his ankle? What if he's out? What if? What are we going to do? Because if, if Zadarius Smith goes down, you're asking Rayshon Gary to, uh, to to fulfill that role, and he's just not ready to. I think he can. I think he can take steps forward, and I think that's what uh, Patton and the coaching staff are getting at. Um, he's just not there yet. But uh, you know, he is, he increases snaps from six to fourteen. I think the coaching staff sees that they have to get these guys involved as well. Um, so I think if we see another increase in snaps, you know, I would I would just count that as another step in the pot in the right direction. No, I agree. And a, cu- a couple of things that I've been noticing as well with, with Gary, it's a lot of, I think they're going to use him a lot on stunts and try and get him a little bit more of a free run instead of having to try and fine tune those, those pass rush moves during the game, just to get him use, help him use that athletic ability that he has to get a, a free shot at the quarterback. And we saw that against the bears and it worked pretty effectively in those six snaps for Fackerel, it's just He's got to finish. He's been getting in the backfield pretty well. He did a good job against Minnesota of getting to the backfield. But I think he had two sacks that he just couldn't finish bringing down Kirk Cousins, which Flacco is a lot bigger. So it's going to be a little tougher probably to bring him down. So if he could really just finish those plays, I think that'll help a lot. Plus, like Tyler, like you said, he he was dropped into coverage a lot when Flacco was in there. He lined up a lot in the middle over the course of, of the Vikings game, especially near the goal line where they would drop him off instead of B.J. Goodson out there and let him use his frame in the middle and – a couple of those plays, he almost he was in prime position to make a play. Luckily, the pressure came and Cousins made some really bad throws. But I agree with you, both you guys that the the percentage of snaps for the Smiths need to drop, especially coming up with a short week against Philly. I think I think they may drop. We'll see them drop a little a little more than we'll expect against Denver, but they'll go back up a little bit for the Thursday game, just because the way the teams are kind of organized and set up. But there's also the factor of having Kenny Clark in there who can just cause havoc by himself to the point where it'll make things a little easier for whoever's on the outside to clean some stuff up and really just clean up the mess. Cause we all know Kenny Clark is becoming a top 10, if not top five defensive tackle already at age 23, which I think makes all of us feel a little bit old, but with, with what, what this front can do, there's a lot of damage to be done on this Denver Bronco offense. And it's going to start really with that pass rush. Then, then you also again look at the secondary. We have Alexander King, a good corner group. Savage and Amos, safety group. And Chris, I'll go to you. Who's going to get the first crack at replacing Raven Green? And what are they going to do with that spot with Green on injury reserve? Yeah, that, that's huge. That's that's what's going to be interesting to see. I, I really am not a hundred percent positive. What do you guys think on that? You know, I'm looking at. I'm probably looking at Tyler Fackrell, like we just talked about, Preston Smith kind of playing maybe a little bit different role, but rushing from the middle, uh, that double A gap with maybe Blake Martinez, Preston Smith, Tyler Fackrell, uh, and then dropping one of them off, dropping both of them off. You know, Patton does a great job of that. Um, asking asking Martinez to be the sole linebacker and just throwing a ton of defensive backs, maybe an extra safety, like an overhang safety out there. Uh, but yeah, they, they, they've been doing a lot of that with the three, you know, three defensive linemen, about the five-man front, but just one sole inside linebacker with Martinez, and then bringing the safety down. Do you see any other safeties of a good size? Because that, that's where I really thought Josh Jones was meant to be, but 
he, obviously that didn't work out. I don't think they have one right now. So I think it's a fundamental shift. So B.J. Goodson is probably the most – he's probably gets the most benefit from Green's injury. Uh, and I think that we might actually see quite a bit of B.J. Goodson this week considering how much the Broncos want to use their running backs and how effective they are with their running backs. I think that the, the key for the Packers will be stopping that group of guys, i.e. Freeman and Lindsey. So you know, I think we might see more B.J. Goodson than we did last week. No, I agree. And the uh, thing as well is when the wind agreement went down, they did bring Amos in a little bit more, and they put in Will Redmond back in, in the in the deep secondary. So there's something to keep an eye on as well. We could see more of maybe some corners sliding in. Stron Williams can also move back as well, which would give some more time to Tony Brown or Josh Jackson. You will you, uh, tell you about Fackrell. I think you guys going to be a big thing. You see him a little bit more in the middle. And so there's there's a lot of moving pieces for Mike Pettin now with Raven Green out. But that's not the only major injury that has occurred over the past few days. As we take a look at the injury report as we get ready for Sunday's game, as we continue to run long on time because we all three of us like to talk. <laughs> when you look at Denver's, they have three guys ruled out. Uh, Joe Jones, a backup inside linebacker. Andy Janovich, a starting fullback, is out with a pectoral injury. The big one, though, right tackle Juwan James is out with a, right, with a knee injury. And he is getting replaced by, it looks like, Elijah Wilkinson, who's who's their backup at pretty much every offensive line spot. Also listed as questionable are Todd Davis, the inside linebacker, and cornerback Bryce Callahan with a foot injury. So not a huge injury list, but some some key players out for them. And then we look toward the package injury report. What was a laundry list of guys has been narrowed down pretty well. Ruled out and now put on injured reserve is Lane Taylor with his biceps injury. They did bring back Adam Pankey back from the Titans practice squad because when you know a guy, you just bring him back over and over and over again. So Pankey now back on the active roster. Also ruled out was Oren Burks with his chest injury, but he appears to be getting closer and closer. Listed as doubtful is Montrevious Adams with his shoulder injury. And questionable is Jimmy Graham with a groin, Jake Kumro with a shoulder, Kyler Fackrell with a shoulder and Darius Shepard with his hamstring injury. But all four of those guys are expected to be ready to go and be able to play. And Tyler, I know you'll get excited because with Montrevious Adams doubtful as much as that that hurts, it's it might be time for some Kingsley Kiki. Definitely. I I can't wait for this guy to get on the field. Uh, You know, they were excited when you go watch the press conference. They lit up when they talked about Kingsley Kiki. Kiki, sorry, learning. I'm still training myself after I was corrected on how to say that. But it is Kiki, and um, I'm, I'm so excited for him to finally get on the field in a game that counts. And then, Chris, uh, with I know there's been a lot of talk about, about Jimmy Graham and just the lack of targets for tight ends last week and with him battling a groin injury. But it looks like he's going to be good to go. He was able to practice on Friday. And I don't think much is going to change as far as his usage. I think they're going to keep him on the field. They're going to have a lot of two tight end stuff with him and Mercedes Lewis. And outside of the really brutal block to Dio Hunter, he's actually did a pretty decent job against Minnesota. He did a good job on Everson Griffin quite a few times. And I, what do you think about the tight end usage and, and how much of a factor Graham could be against a team like Denver? Yeah, you know, when I, when I saw that he was questionable, I thought this is Tanyan time. I thought this is finally his time to really come out and show something. But if Graham's going to play... Hopefully, I know that's that that terrible block is on everybody's minds. Of course, that's the problem when if you can have five good plays, but if you have one really bad one, the bad one's going to be on everyone's mind. So when they see Jimmy Graham lined up close to the line of scrimmage, instead of going out for a pass, he's going to stand up and block. People are going to hold their breath. 
But yeah, I, I expect more out of the tight end position, especially in the middle of the field, because, you know, people always talk about back in the past when the Packers didn't have good tight end targets. There's so much stress on getting their second or third receiver. But now that they have a good tight end to stretch the middle of the field, I feel like that should take a lot of pressure off Devontae Adams and help Scantling get going. So I do expect the, the Jimmy Graham to get more involved in the passing game, especially given the fact that he's been struggling blocking. So that's just what I expect. But with these with this injury, who knows? And with Tyler, when you look at the Packers depth chart, Kingsley Kiki is the only backup to Montrevious Adams. Who do you think gets the start in the base? Will it be Lancaster Brown or Kiki to replace Adams if he can't go? You know, we saw a lot of Tyrell Lancaster last week against the Vikings. I think we'll see something similar. Um, you know, make it a focus to kind of stuff the middle. Um, you know, so you'll see Lancaster, Clark, and probably Lowry. Definitely, definitely Lowry. So, um, but I expect it to be Lancaster, Clark, and Lowry uh, to kind of start out and. You'll rotate Kiki in, not really sure, probably in the sub packages, but um, that'll be really interesting to see. But I, I imagine him being more one of those smaller offensive linemen right now, um, so being in those pass rushing situations maybe, because uh, I think he provides more juice as a pass rusher than, uh, say, Dean Lowry does, definitely more than Tower Lancaster. So it, we'll see. We'll see how they decide to use them. Maybe Dean Lowry gets more snaps because of the absence of Montrevious Adams. But uh, yeah, it'll be definitely something to monitor to see how Petten uses those guys. And the last thing before we get to a quick final pr- uh, trio of predictions, a few guys could be making their NFL debuts this week as well. With Lane Taylor going on injury reserve and Adam Pankey now on the roster, I'd be surprised if Pankey's up on the on the game day fifty four forty six. But that could also mean that Cole Madison might make his NFL debut in this week three game against Denver. Also set to debut will be Kadar Holman, who is completely off the injury report after his neck injury. So it looks like we may see his debut. And the same goes for Darius Shepard, who's listed as questionable. But he is listed as the primary punt returner now after the Trevor Davis trade. And also newly acquired Tremont Smith is expected to be the primary kick returner. So a lot of guys could be making their debuts. And Chris, are there any of those guys that you're excited to see out there? Um, not anyone in particular. Uh, hmm, let me think about that one. Come back to me. Fair enough. Tyler, <laughs> the same question goes to you. You know, I think, uh, unfortunately, I don't think Holman gets activated this week. I think that he's still on that, you know, the inactive seven. Um, I, I do think you activate Tremont Smith. I'm not sure what – did they list him as a corner? Because I know he's played everywhere. Yeah, he's, they moved um, him back to corner. They, they moved him to a different right. position, but then they moved him back. So, okay, I, so I think that since he's listed as a corner, I think that that's going to be Holman's spot. Um, so you'll, you'll, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see Darius Shepard. I'm excited to see both of those guys. Uh, I think Shepard fulfills the Trevor Davis role, obviously. It's an easy, that's an easy fit there. Uh, maybe they'll try and get Shepard involved on offense. They had, they never really did try to get Trevor Davis involved on offense. He had a couple targets, but nothing substantial. And um, so, you know, those are the two guys I think I'm most excited to see. Well, Darius Shepard, did you say that he's still dealing with that hamstring injury? Do you guys think he's definitely ready to go? The coaches seem to think so. He's listed as questionable, but he was limited in practice all week. So he, he wasn't out of any of the practices and he's, and they and Sean Meninga talked a lot about him being the primary punt returner. So okay. uh, that leads me to think he's going to be up and ready to go. 
And of course, like Tyler said earlier, we're recording this on Saturday, so we'll know more the closer we get to game time. But as far right. as I can tell, Shepard is probably going to be the guy in punt returns. And with also Kumaro listed as questionable as well, we may see a little bit more of Shepard on offense as well, maybe as a number four receiver, which also may lead to Alan Lazard going down on, into the in, into the inactive list. But I would I would expect Shepard to make his debut. Okay, with all that information, I definitely have to go with him. <laughs> fair, fair enough. And personally, I, like, I just want to give Sean Menenga credit real quick because Sean Menenga has come in and he has revamped the special teams unit. They are currently third in DVOA in the league. That is amazing considering where they were last year. Yeah, considering they, last year they were 35th out of 32 teams, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> fire Zuck. <laughs> Refire. Hire him just to fire him again. <laughs> is but, he even coaching anywhere? I don't think he's coaching anywhere. He's an assistant in college somewhere. Oh, okay. Well, but that, per- good enough. <laughs> personally, for me, I'm just excited to see, because I think he'll be active. I want to... Just the fact that he can suit up for a game, Cole Madison, just because, again, we know the story. We've talked about it at length over the course of the last year. Coming back and being able to make the team and now likely to be actor for the first time is just such a great moment for him and for for just for what he kind of stands for at this point with everything when, when it comes to mental health and and really kind of helping yourself out to kind of make sure you're okay. And so seeing Madison out on the field is going to be Really, kind of uh, give me give it's gonna give me goosebumps the first time I see it, and it'll probably be on special teams. But just a moment like that is something that I think will get overlooked. But I think it's something that's gonna be very very cool to see. I hope he doesn't have to play though. No, just keep him on special teams. <laughs> yeah, because if he's playing, that means somebody got hurt. So uh, you know, I, I'm but I'm so happy for this kid because I know he was he was dealing with a lot of a lot of stuff and uh, there's a lot of very personal stuff. So if it's very good to see him. Uh, make the roster and have a chance to play on Sunday. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing story. Absolutely. So as we wrap things up, this is a game preview and we wouldn't be great prognosticators if we didn't make some predictions. So Chris, I'll go to you first. What's your prediction for how the game ends up? How the game ends up. I still think it's not going to be as much of a nail biter as the first two games, but it's not going to be a blowout either. I, I think the Packers, uh, win this game, uh, let me think. Either twenty-one sixteen or maybe twenty-eight sixteen. Tyler, how about you? Uh, so the line in this game is seven and a half points, as I mentioned earlier. I believe that's a little too rich for my taste. Uh, so I'm gonna go with something like twenty-seven twenty-one. Uh, I think it's about a one-score game throughout, but uh, I do have the Packers coming out on top in a one-score game. Uh, it's not too rich for my blood. I think Green Bay's offense really gets going, and I think they start off fast and really put Denver in a rough spot early. I'm going to go 31 to 13. Ooh. I think Green Bay's. I think Green Bay p- picks I it like up it. and and really gets themselves going. So like just oh. kind of like so like they shoot out of a cannon like against Minnesota, but they keep going. So it's not just one quarter; they keep going. Yeah, I think I think they're going to get 14 early, and then they'll score once each quarter after that. Okay, gotcha. And then over-under, because the Broncos don't have a sack yet this season, my buddy of mine, who's a big Broncos fan, says Von Miller is going to get three because it's about time they finally break out. How many times do you think they're going to be able to sack Rodgers? Von Miller's not going to get three. Uh, I think. Yeah, I know. Not by himself. He's like, he's saving himself for it. I'm like, no, no. 
He would have done that against the Raiders if he really wanted to. Right? <laughs> I think they'll get a couple, but two? I don't think he's two two to three. I think. I was thinking four. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, just because I know Van, you know, it's Fangio. He knows how to he knows how to attack Rogers. Think they're gonna attack um, the guards know, to get them or get around the tackles. Bob Jerry Blogger gonna give them up. D- don't sleep on Wolf or Shelby Harris. They can both get after it too. Okay. The, they'll get they'll get their they'll get their sacks. Like it's that's gonna be kind of a given. Um, I know that they've struggled this far, but they'll, they'll get them. I agree. So I th- so I think with the time we've been using, I think that'll wrap things up for this edition of the Pack of Day podcast. Tyler, where can people find you, and what are you working on? Yeah. So as always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, a lot of things. Um, so I have a weekly column, two weekly columns over at the uh, Dynasty Nerds uh, Fantasy Football site. Um, one evaluating your your weekly flex sits, sits and starts. And then another one evaluating risers and fallers of value. So basically a stock report. Um, weekly, I'm putting together what I'm calling my mashup, which I've advertised on here a couple times now. Um, but basically, Pack to the Future, another Packers podcast, is sponsoring me. So I uh, bring on an opponent. We play a Madden game reflecting the opponents for that week. So I played this past week. I played Kevin Tomsky. Well, Tomsky. Tompkins. Uh, his handle is at K Tompkinski. Uh, it's really, if you want to find it, just go on, on my Twitter. I'm usually interacting with him, but basically we played the Broncos and Packers and Madden and we talked about the matchup. It was a good time. So um, I have Jacob Westendorf, our very own Pack a Day teammate, locked up for next week against the Eagles. And then a good friend of mine locked up for the Cowboys the following week. So make sure you're checking that out. I'm dropping the links. It's usually on Tuesday or Wednesday nights, uh, about 9 Eastern uh, or 9 p.m. Eastern. So. Uh, make sure you're staying tuned for that. Uh, uh, but otherwise, I'm just posting content on Twitter. And Chris, where can people find you? People can find me uh, on Twitter at Actress Schimmel. And then for my SchimmelSports.com, I'm going to do a fun article about comparing the Packers this year after three games compared them to every other Packer team this decade after three three games of the year. Just to see, just a comparison, just for fun. Sounds good. And you can find me at Mike Wendlands. Um Right now, I'm still kind of focusing on a little bit of high school sports for my my day job. But I'll, I'm still working on a lot of Packers history articles for Dairyland Express. So I'll be dropping those throughout the course of the next couple of weeks, just trying to doing the research. I'm doing an all time first round draft pick team going all the way back to the 30s when the Packers made the first, their first ever first round pick and trying to create a, a team from that. And then going on day two, day three and making these crazy compilations of Packers rosters. So keep an eye out for that in the future as well. And of course, stay tuned every day for more Packers content, including uh, more of the Packer review tomorrow for to kind of break down what happened in the game. Hopefully the Packers will be three, and know, I think we're all expecting it. So we'll see how that goes as well. So again, stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the game. Hopefully the Packers get win number three. And of course, and as always get loud Lambo and go Packo.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.